The following is a live broadcast of a Lone Star Community Radio program. Recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Connors FM 104.5, 106.1, and Facebook.com slash IRLoneStar. For more information on this show, please visit our show page at IRLoneStar.com slash shows. To sponsor or donate to this program, visit our donate page at IRLoneStar.com slash donate, or email us at lscrstudios at gmail.com, or give us a call at 936-666-1084. Lone Star Community Radio production and broadcast is possible by folks like you. So sponsor and donate today. Hey guys, Connor from the Ticket Stub, and you are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this week's edition of the Weekly Business Hour. I'm your host, Rick Schisler. I'm a Silver Fox advisor and the founder of onebestconsult.com. That's a website that you can go to and find out all about small business. It's basically a community of small business owners, including myself, and we help each other with particular issues, major decisions. You put your question out there and you look for feedback. No pain, but you got a lot of gain. So please visit onebestconsult.com. The weekly business hour, for those who are new to the show, is where all of Montgomery County, in fact, now businesses throughout the world come to talk about the latest in business news, ideas to improve your business, and to be part of conversations that can make a real difference in your business today. So thank you for listening again. And I want to remind you that the show is broadcast on YouTube or Facebook Live. Just need to go to the weekly business hour page, click on it and you'll be able to watch as well as listen to the program. Today's program is sponsored by Empower, that's Empower Franchise Consulting. I wanna give them a quick shout out. If you've recently been downsized due to the pandemic, maybe now is the time to revisit your dream of owning your own business. A lot of folks are thinking that way right now. Linda Ballastoris leverages her 30 plus year career in banking to help her clients become business owners through franchising. I encourage you, if you've ever thought about being a business owner, it may be the right time for you. You can reach Linda at Linda at M, that's letter M, Power Franchise Consulting.com or call her direct at 832-640-4922. That's 832-640-4922. And thank you, Linda, for sponsoring today's program. I want to remind you that anytime during the program or even after the program, if you have a question about something we discussed today, uh, you've got a comment about the show itself, or you just got a business question about your own business, by all means, send me an email. It's real easy. Send the email to onebestconsult at gmail.com. That's onebestconsult at gmail.com. You will be get an answer directly from me regarding your question or concern, or if you're pointing out something you like or don't like about the show. I love to get those uh, comments. I love to get those business questions. In fact, we talk about some of them on the show from time to time. Well, I want to introduce my business guest. I had a wonderful interview recently with Mr. Mel Gross. Mel's a senior associate with Advisors Financial Group. 
Uh, Mel has a bachelor's of arts degree from UCLA and he earned a master's of science in financial services from the American College. And on top of that, he's got 50 plus years of experience working with business owners to secure their financial future. So I think you're gonna find this conversation very uh, interesting because we discussed his recommendations about exiting or selling your business. A lot of folks are doing that right now for various reasons. And then what do you do with the proceeds? How do you invest? So many, so many small business owners, they worked in their business. They made their money in their business. Now they have a pile of cash. What do they do with it? They have to plan and put it to work in a way that offers the same security in their minds as owning the business. So it's an interesting conversation and I encourage you, listen and hear my conversation with Mel Gross. This recording may be found later in the week on YouTube at the Weekly Business Hour. Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. We're in the process of uh, visiting with uh, a, I feel, a real expert in this field, Mel Gross. Uh, Mel has got an extensive background, and when I say extensive, 50 plus years involved in the financial, uh, what do you call it, Mel? I mean, uh, that's a way to introduce you, financial services. What is it exactly? Because your educational background is extensive, your experience. What do you call yourself? Well, rather than shutting down the conversation to start with, I had a uh, elevator speech that I used, and I said, hi, I'm in the business of looking for lovers. Now, that usually starts with a smile, and they look at me and go, what do you do? And then I say, okay, I look for people that love themselves. They love their families. They love their kids. They love their estate, and they love their business. So I find ways within the financial world to make adjustments or give them suggestions that might make them better prepared moving forward. You know, you mentioned, uh, or I mentioned in, in looking through your bio, again, extensive experience, education, uh, what is it about your background that really prepares you to do what you do on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, starting with a degree in psychology, I didn't think it was going to help me when I got into the business world, but understanding people and, and being more prepared to, uh, to talk with them about things that they're interested in, that was good. Then I went into the accounting world and I came here as an accountant and worked in a large CPA firm and found that that was fine, but it just wasn't where I wanted to be. So then in 1967, I saw an opportunity to go into financial services. So breaking those down, uh, there is the insurance arena, not about things, but about people like life insurance, disability insurance, long-term care insurance has become very, very important. And in the corporate world, key man, buy-sell agreements, that's the insurance hat. Now, on the other part of it, it's also doing the investments, and we're involved in the stock market, in the real estate market, in the uh, bond market, and putting together portfolios that are, that are expertly managed. I put those together for people, and then it's a combination of whatever they need. And of course, in the corporate world, if they need group insurance or a 401, I have a number of clients in 401k plans, or even for some that it, it works for defined benefit plans, very specific types of companies, but it works incredibly well with major tax deductions that can be as much as two and $300,000 for the business owners. But again, very specific requirements where it doesn't work. 
you know, you mentioned benefits, and that to me is one of the hot button topics right now, particularly with small businesses, because with the COVID virus pandemic, uh, good employers are concerned about the health of their employees, mental and physical, and they're reevaluating. In fact, I was in a roundtable discussion yesterday about that very topic of what benefits uh, can I provide or should I try to provide? Of course, we have to financially consider our business what we can afford, but what are some of the additional benefits that might be available to people for key employees and the owner themselves? Well, it, it, I, first thing that comes up, I'd say, is disability insurance. Some companies have left that off, especially the smaller ones. But, I mean, you can't keep somebody on the payroll when they're disabled as much as you love them. I had that personal experience as, as a kid when the top person working at my dad's store uh, got had a major stroke at 55 years old, never worked another day. And my dad cried over, went down to the hospital and cried with him. And after six months of paying where he wasn't showing up, he had to fire him. And from that time on, they had for three people a disability policy. And some of those policies carry mental and nervous options that can be used. Uh, and some of them, uh, little big, bigger companies have a benefit that, that will deal with individuals who are having psychological problems and need a helping hand that can, they can make phone calls privately and will be able to try to figure out. It could be a marital problem. Uh, it could be a depression problem. Uh, it's, you know, the PTS, which a lot of the soldiers come back from. Uh, there's wonderful help. It just has to be it just has to be set up to where it takes care of what's needed within the range of the number of employees and how you want to set it up. Now, one of the big problems is where you get a company that has a maximum of 10,000 a month disability insurance for the people. Well, <laughs> that's, that's reverse discrimination, just like it is on a 401k plan. Your higher earning employees or owners and or executives, they need more than that. They're used to making north of $500,000. What the heck is $10,000 a month going to do for their bills with their mortgage and their other expenses? And secondly, for putting away money, there are what's called the supplemental retirement benefits that we do a lot of, which is where I can go ahead and take monies for above the amount in a 401k plan and provide amazing tax benefits, mano y mano, that they can look at in order provide for themselves and their key people. You know, in our roundtable conversation yesterday, the key point, and I, I want to share this with our audience, the conclusion of the group was that if I provide the right benefit package, I keep my people. I, I You know, it's hard to find good people, but I keep them. And one of the participants said, well, I believe they have about 30 employees, if I recall, said that's the reason I don't lose people is because I have the right benefits. It sounds to me, if I can make a comment, maybe you can respond, that you really need some professional assistance like you're talking about to help someone kind of wade through all these choices and build a plan that works for them and their business. Uh, I mean, in terms of keeping your key employees, well, you only have two and two choices really uh, is to have somebody that you pay uh, a good salary to but then the company around the corner says, yeah, but we'll give you another $2,000 a month. You get into a bidding war and you really have no control. So golden handcuffs for key employees is one way to keep them. 
And the other is if they have skin in the game, meaning they buy shares of stock. But boy, in small companies, if you're not public, giving stock away or selling stock away to somebody can be good news, but it can be horrible news. It can be a real problem. And then, of course, there's where you set up a company where the company becomes a employee benefit, where they buy shares. Everybody is a stockholder. All your employees feel they're part of it and they share in the profits and there's good tax deductible plans. I've talked about those many times. Very few actually do it. Those that have done it where the company really, the owners are selling out the company to the employees. It's called an ISOP and you're an ESOP, employee stock ownership plan. Those are on the table. They can be done. Uh, again, it's really, it's like going to the doctor's office. Uh, the doctor starts off with questions. <laughs> what hurts? What are you trying to accomplish? What medication are you taking? What's your past experience? Those are the discussions you don't start in. Here is a great plan. Uh, that's silly. Run away if you hear that. I, I would say get to know your client, get to know what their needs are, and then look at the large number of opportunities and options based on their particular situation. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly based on my experience and then also the experience of people in roundtables uh, that I participate in as a mentor and whatnot. It's uh, it's something everybody, regardless of whether they, I mean, it costs money, right, to buy benefits, uh, but your example, $2,000 increase in pay versus having a good set of benefits that may cost less than $2,000 they're a lot more valuable to many people than just actually cash on the, on the counter, so to speak. You know, some of the most, most, uh, I can't say enthusiastic, but imagine you got a small company and one of your employees is in a car accident or comes down with a debilitating disability or a cancer and winds up dying. That check that comes to the employer for the benefit of the employee, wow, they feel like they have just hit the emotional jackpot of here's what I did, this is what I did. And you know, if you do it properly set up, actually you can set it up that that check that you give, which is quite large, well over what you paid in, can be tax deductible as a benefit. Um, there is that deferred compensation plan for key people that builds money into the company uh, and those are even financeable. There's, gosh, you know, as I start talking, I, my mind just runs into so many different options, but um, this would be horrible to try to outline those in our environment right now on this call. I'm just trying to say that there is a great big box of opportunities that can be available given the right circumstance. We, we, we don't give penicillin to everybody that walks into the doctor's office. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, and that makes a lot of sense. Uh, again, I'm, I'm big personally on advising people, seek professional advice in many areas, including, of course, the law, the accounting, but also when it comes to your compensation plans, even for your hourly people. Yeah. You take care of your people, they'll take care of you, usually if they're good people. And, and let them know you care. A lot of employers are afraid to let them know that how important they are to them for fear that they'll come and take advantage. But that's not what my experience has been. Uh, your, your people are, 
probably you'll spend more time with them in some cases, your own kids or your own wife, because you're spending a lot of that time and then you're sleeping. So uh, make it a, make it a environment and let them know you care and show them benefit. I was in an elevator one time with somebody wearing a uniform from a client of mine. And I said, to him, hey, say hello to so-and-so on your way back. He's been a good friend and client. He said, I'm on my way back. I am canceling my membership. I'm, I, I'm, I'm quitting that company. I can get better benefits across the way. And I, I said, really? And they told me that they're picking up a, a retirement program. He says, I'm going to get old someday. I can't work. So I called him up and I said, you know, I just ran into so. Yeah, I know. He came back before you called. He just quit. We got to do something about this. And I said, yeah, yeah, you do. But uh, again, it's a discussion. Everything, just like on this show, it's a discussion. It's giving ideas. It's sharing ideas. Well, I, uh, what other questions do you have for me? Because I'm excited about it. I got my adrenaline going because I love being, I love people asking questions. Well, we'll get to some of those uh, in just a moment. Well, I've hoped you've enjoyed uh, our conversation with Mel Gross so far. Again, I found it interesting and I think it can be very helpful to those of us when we decide to exit our business. So we're going to take a brief commercial break now, and I hope you will stay with us. And when we come back, we're going to get right back into our conversation with Mel Gross. God's Garage is a 501c3 that repairs and gives away cars for free to single moms, widows, and wives of deployed military. You can help God's Garage by donating a vehicle, volunteering your time, or by monetary donation. God's Garage is located at 2106 East Davis, Conroe. If you'd like to learn more about God's Garage, visit our website at godsgarage.org. Or you can contact us, and we would be glad to come and make a presentation to your group. Hey, y'all. It's DJ Mike from Dan Simon, Texas. Join me Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. as I count down the top 10 Texas Red Dirt songs that are packing the dance floor. I'll be featuring local artists and the story behind the hits, shows in the area, as well as new songs that make you want to dance. It's Dance Diamond Texas with DJ Mike on Lone Star Community Radio, 104.5 KCZW and 106.1 KZCC, Conroe, Texas, or online, IRLoneStar.com. Well, you're back with us, and, and I want to remind you again, if you want to contact me to talk about the show or ask a business question, if you have a question for Mel as a result of watching our conversation, just send them to me at onebestconsult at gmail.com. We're having a conversation, as I mentioned, with Mel Gross. He's a senior associate with Advisors Financial Group about small businesses owners' alternatives in exiting their business. Listen and hear the final part of my conversation with Mel Gross. This recording may be found on YouTube at the Weekly Business Hour channel. Well, Mel, one of the other things I'd like to talk about that is near and dear to my heart and something I've tried to build an expertise in, and that's the exit strategy. You know, so many people own small businesses and they work in the business and it could be five years, 10 years, 50 years. Um, but one of the things I try to encourage people to do when they start a business is take a little bit of time as you put your business ideas, your plan, whatever you start with as far as a roadmap to work with, put your exit strategy on there, develop some uh, 
thoughts of where you're going, when you want to get there roughly, how you want to do it. Uh, exit strategies are critical. And now we see literally thousands, hundreds of thousands, even millions of small businesses aging out, so to speak, and selling their businesses or locking them up and walking away because they didn't have a strategy. Um, talk a little bit with us about an exit strategy that, that's fair to everyone involved. Well, I really enjoy my small to mid-sized businesses. And I, this is a subject that comes up. Some, some employers, some small companies, the company is them. It, it's their heart and soul. It's like selling themselves out and they don't want to give it up. So they stay too long. And then they usually, when they talk to somebody who might buy it, or they talk to an advisor, which I have a whole team of advisors that are able to get them ready and give them evaluations. Normally they may oversize what, or, or give a greater amount than might be actually the real value of the company. Um, they, they run a company, but they're really not, in some cases, a good business person. They, it's Peter's Principle, a book I read years and years ago when they get to a place where they're no longer competent in that next arena. This is when they start adding on CFOs. They start adding on a, a more competent, more qualified accountant, or they start having an attorney that can kind of give them advice. And then a key person. They may be good at sales. They need somebody for the inside. They may be an inside person and they need somebody for the, uh, the marketing and the development. And then once they make that evaluation, then they have to decide, what am I really trying to do? A, uh, I want to die at my desk. <laughs> There's no value in that because whatever's there will be taken apart. The second aspect of it is going to be the person who says, I do want to sell it and I'm designing it and putting in place things that I need in order to have it more marketable. And then you have the situation where you have a, a bring in a younger person. This tends to be something where you set up a buy-sell agreement and you have one or two people who are going to be buying out, but they generally are not wanting to put in the money because they're getting a salary and they may not have the assets that they need in order to generate that next situation. So, um, sorry. So, so we're in a situation where you're trying to have that next generation, you're hiring them, you're preparing them, but then you gotta, you gotta let go sometime. You gotta, you gotta know when, otherwise they are going to leave you and they will start their own business of which you train them. I have a personal experience in a company that did that and uh, the owner could never let go and he was actually close to 90 and he would wobble into his desk, he would sit there, and he just wanted people to treat him like the boss, but really had no contact. And the person that took over made new contacts with new clients. So that, that's the other thing. And then of course you have a third option, my kids. I talked yesterday with a, with a business owner and he already has his 21 uh, year old working at the company, that's his career. He's got a kid in high school that's already, dad, I wanna come to work with you. So each situation, again, is different. But if you're going to have your kids take over, are they able to? Do they have the talent? Do they have the love? Are they going to disappoint you at the time you need them to be there? 
And how do you take care of them? They have a family, they have needs, and you have a spouse. You may have other kids. We call this, is it fair? Is it equal? How do you, if you give the business to, to one child, what happens to your other children, daughter, son? This is a real planning topic with what I recommend is family business meetings. And you might need to have an arbitrator in there, somebody who is not emotionally involved because you know, family law can be the ugliest of all laws. Everybody is right in that meeting and they can get darn mad when you're not going according to what they think is right. It's almost like the election. Well, you know, and, and to start with your last topic, a family-owned business, which I have lots of experience uh, myself and the next generation, um, like anything, there are ways to do it, uh, ways that uh, don't make sense, uh, a lot of challenges, but the strengths, in my opinion, of a family-owned business outweigh the negatives or potential downside that you can experience. Uh, but it all comes back to leadership primarily from from the person in charge, so to speak, that, that older generation. Same thing I think applies if you bring someone in to train them to take over the business. Um, I've had experience with clients who bring someone in and work with them. And then after a year, maybe two, they decide there's just not a good fit. Uh, you know, both parties and they have to start over. And so I think you have to build an exit strategy so that you don't get frustrated uh, realizing that these things are gonna take time. Uh, and then I guess the last option is just sell the business, uh, which for small business can be a real challenge in itself. There's no doubt about it. Well, having been in this for as many years as I have, I have seen other people in this particular situation of trying to figure out what to do on their small business. Uh, the second aspect of it I've seen is that I myself brought somebody on, very talented, very, very likable. But after helping him get fully trained, he got his uh, certified financial planning designation. I still liked the guy. And we did some great business together, but it found out it wasn't the fit for him for a number of reasons. Now I have my young guy, he's been in the business six years. He's perfect as far as I know. We've been together, in fact, next month is a year. Uh, very talented, very, very likable, involved in lots of organizations like the Houston Livestock, and it's also his college fraternity program. I mean, he, and he is meeting and developing new people, and I'm introducing him as much as I can. Uh, and it's a pleasure because, you know, people who are counting on you as their financial person, uh, and I've had the question, Mel, what happens if you, A, B, C, or whatever, aren't able to take care of my stuff? I don't want to be somebody's leftover, you know, I don't care about them. I've seen what that is. Well, that's why I'm very motivated to provide an ongoing strategy. And that might be the same thing. And, and that's why you see uh, the world in medicine has changed so much. 40% of my clients were doctors back at the beginning, but there a lot of them were selling out or working in other companies now. They're employees, generally. And they're high skilled, but they may never make the kind of money they used to. Things change. Well, they do change. And I, I think you make an excellent point Led, to kind of back up just about advisors in general, because, you know, one of the things that I learned is I've worked through my business career, worked in, or bought, sold, developed multiple businesses, is that as you get older, you don't like the change just as a natural thing. And particularly in business for me, 
I wanted to know that the people that advised me, the lawyer, the accountant, the, the insurance specialist, the financial service person, like you, et cetera, were going to be around because I was utilizing their advice back here in the beginning. And now it's 10, 20, 30 years later, and then they're gone. And it's almost like, uh, and in some cases, there was a transition, like you're trying to do in your office. And in other cases, they were gone. Uh, it just went away. And I felt like I'd been left holding, you know, holding a bag that had nothing in it. So uh, it's an important aspect of what you do, uh, just as it is with the business owner. Well, another planning option that I saw and we've worked with, let's take a business that has, let's say they've got a hundred, couple hundred employees and they've got, and I, I gave a talk one time to a CPA group and of thousands of employees, there were five key people. And when I asked him about the pension that they had and they had a very good one, he said, that's chump change. His deferred compensation was the real, real money for these people because they're making big bucks and getting another big bonus check is a waste of their, they're gonna pay the highest tax bracket back then. So you do something in a deferred comp. But let's say for example, there's a huge life insurance policy because this person is vital to the company and the bank may have wanted to have collateral life insurance on that person, knowing that this is very, very important. And now the guy goes to retire. Well, his first thought is, this is a high premium contract. I, I really, A, I, I don't wanna pay for it when I use my retirement money, but what do I do with it? I'm now 70 years old and you know I do have some health problems, but I might have to pay this big premium. What do I do? Well, we've gone into, and I'm licensed in an area called settlements. He can sell that and get anywhere from 20 to 30, in some cases even more, of the face amount as a cash check to him as he sells off the policy that he doesn't want. Now we've seen small ones as well. I've seen $500,000 policies. Uh, yeah, they will do a hundred, but it's, and you see them advertising it on TV, a little couple going, we need it for our retirement. But that is something where you don't just go to the one company that's advertising. It becomes a marketplace based upon your mortality, how long will you live? There's a greater value obviously to the buyer if you do have a few health issues. And if you don't, there's also for a million dollars or more, another buyer that just came into the marketplace. And who really is paying for these? Typically it's, uh, it's other insurance companies that get together and they buy up these policies. They believe me, the, the insurance companies will sell you the policies, especially term insurance. They love term insurance. Less than one and a half percent ever result in a claim because you had to get it with good health and you're a non-smoker. If you are a smoker, you pay 30% more. So basically it's the reverse. Now this other company would take advantage of a benefit that you don't want. I hope you'll keep your policies, of course, for the benefit of your wife or the kids or whatever. But if it's not something you want, you throw it away. Thank you, says the insurance company. Maybe there's a value, and that's some of the things we talk about. You know, that's uh, the insurance, life insurance, those kinds of things are, are again, another key, can be a key component to any business owner. Well, Mel, believe it or not, we've, we've run out of time today, and I've enjoyed the conversation, and I'd like to see if we can get around to visiting again, particularly talking about 
uh, the small business owner, when they do exit the business, what do they do with the proceeds, the investments? And because most of the small business people, right, they, they invest what they have in their business, uh, money-wise. And uh, when they sell the business, they've got this investment returned to them in the form of cash, typically. Uh, and maybe over a period of time, it may be a lump sum. And uh, I find so many of them, what do I do with it? You know, how do I invest it? I have no experience. And I need people like you, Mel, to help us out. If someone wants to contact you to listen to this interview, what's the best way for them to do it? Well, A, they can call my office at 713-622-4333, extension 510, or they can look us up. My, my email address is the name of our company, which is the uh, ADVFG, Advisors Financial Group. Dot com, so it's initials.com. And then they'll see when they pull up the website, it'll say uh, our team, click our team, and then my picture will show up and my bio so they can see it, what you looked at when you originally talked to me. So again, my name is Mel Gross, and I'm looking forward to meeting some new people and introducing my partner, Ian Hertz, who is a wonderful young man, uh, I met him through my Rotary. I'm president now of the Rotary Club of Houston, the oldest Rotary Club uh, in, in the Houston area. And uh, his grandfather was a member, he introduced me to his grandson, who's now part of my group. Again, it's called networking. Yeah, networking is an important part of business. Again, thank you, Daryl, for taking the time to talk with us. And I look forward to future discussions where you can provide expert information to our small business owners and managers so they can build better, stronger businesses. Thank you. Well, again, I hope you enjoyed that entire conversation with Mel. Uh, again, I think it uh, is helpful information. Perhaps uh, if nothing else stimulates you as a listener, or if you're watching and listening, to take some action on your behalf. Uh, I think Mel can be a great resource for those looking for financial advice because 50 plus years of experience, got the education, the background, and the track record to help those. And if you want to contact Mel directly, just go to the website. It's real simple. It's www.adv as in Victor, ig.com. That's advig.com. And you'll see Mel on there as a senior associate, and you can either call or send him an email. I want to remind again the podcast or video cast of the entire program will be posted on Wednesday of this week at our website at onebestconsult.com. What's coming up in the second half of our show today? Well, I'm going to review and comment just a bit on our conversation with Mel. There's a couple of things I think are important and I want to make sure you saw those. If not, you can go back and take a look at the, at the, the interview. Uh, the second thing is I'm going to offer my One Best Consult tip of the week. Where are your profits hiding? So I hope you'll stay with us and we'll be right back after the commercial break. Thanks. Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show with monthly and weekly slots available in Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1 and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936-647-3776. 
to take your first step into the radio world. We have the safest food supply in the world. Strict laws and regulations restrict the usage of hormones, antibiotics, and pesticides within our food supply. Production agriculture practices and technologies such as the use of GMOs, which is not any more or less risky than conventional crop production, has allowed American farmers to produce more food on less acres in environmentally sound ways. Find out more online at pathtoplate.tamu.edu. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, helping Texans make lives better. Well, welcome back. We're in the second half of our show, and I appreciate you being with us today, as always. And I want to mention to you, if you own a business in the Montgomery County area, in Conroe, Willis, uh, Montgomery, any of the area in Montgomery County or surrounding counties, and you want to be a sponsor of this program, uh, then I encourage you, reach out to me. Again, onebestconsult.com is our website, but just send me an email, one best consult at gmail.com. Love to talk to you about being a sponsor. It's very reasonable in its cost and it gives you great exposure to our business community, particularly here in Montgomery County and surrounding counties. Also have listeners around the world, across the United States and in other countries and continents as well. So thank you. Uh, before I get started in the program, I also want to mention again our sponsor today. Uh, I deeply appreciate the sponsors on this program. Uh, I was a small business person, owned multiple businesses in my career, as some of you know, and I appreciate what people are trying to do when they own and operate and try to build a better business. And one of those people is our sponsor today, and that is Empower Franchise Consulting. Uh, it's owned by Linda Ballastoris, and Linda's got over 30 years of experience in the banking industry, working with small businesses, uh, understands what makes them tick. And her job is to help you find, if you decide to start a business and you want to go the franchise route, she helps to place you with the franchise that best fits your needs, your desires, and your personality. So I would encourage you, a lot of folks looking right now because of the pandemic, they've been let go from their corporate jobs or whatnot, or some people are just saying, hey, I need something different, something I can control. It's a great time to look at starting a business. And one of the things I would do, one of the items on my checklist would be to look at franchising. And I cannot think of a better person to help you do that than Linda Ballastoris. And you can contact her at Linda at M, that's the letter M, powerfranchiseconsulting.com or call 832-640-4922. That's 832-640-4922. 640-4922. Before we went to break, I mentioned I want to make a comment uh, or two about our conversation, uh, recent conversation with, with Mel Gross. And as I mentioned to you, Mel has got a great history, 50 plus years of experience, uh, quite an educational background in the area of working with financial planning as it relates to life insurance, investments, the entire aspect or the entire range of things that financial planners and consultants can help you with. And I think he, uh, again, the experience, uh, Mel's currently the president of the Houston Rotary Club. Uh, I mean, that's a huge, successful operation organization. He has worked himself for 50 plus years in the industry, also in the community. 
so he's got a great background. But in his conversation, a couple of things really stuck out to me. One is the exit of the business. And if you've listened to this show before in past years, you've heard me talk about exiting the business. I believe that to exit your business, you need to start planning that when you start the business, if possible. In other words, where do you want to take that business? Now, if you're already in the middle of your business, you're down the road 3, 5, 10, 15, 20 years, it's not too late. Because a lot of times folks don't really have any kind of clear picture of where they want to go with their business. And in my opinion, first and foremost, that is setting yourself up at the end of the game, so to speak, when you go to exit for a loss of uh, maybe money, a loss of emotional investment. Uh, whereas if you invest some time, and it doesn't take a lot of time to say, hey, this is what I want to do down the road. I want to sell the business. I want to transfer it to one or more of my kids or, or, or relatives. I want to find a strategic buyer that will put it with other businesses. Uh, they're not hard decisions. And they can be made 20, 30 years in advance, and they may adjust deciding how much you want to get paid or how you want to get paid. Uh, decide if you, uh, when you want that to happen. So you have a goal. And again, these things can be adjusted, but you will make day-to-day -day decisions, important decisions that are pieces of a puzzle, if you will. And as you can put the puzzle together in the most efficient, effective way, the payoff for you emotionally, financially, and other ways is going to be much higher. Mel talks about that. And he believes that very much like I do. Uh, so I think that's an important takeaway. Another thing that Mel talks about is investing. Very difficult for a business owner to sell their business and then turn around and take the cash proceeds and just try to invest them. In other words, they have very little control. Uh, I've seen this time and again. And that's why it's important that you get advisors, a financial advisor, an accountant, CPA, people that you trust and that will give you advice, not just on your taxes and this and that, but will take the time to know you and know what your parameters are, personal risk, these kinds of things. And they get the idea that, hey, you would be more comfortable taking this approach. Now, you'll give up some return potentially, but you have less risk. That's an example. So I think that's another important takeaway as you move through the life of your business and you successfully build it and then sell it and then are ready for, if you will, the next chapter of your life. Well, I want to transition now into my One Best Consult tip of the week, and I've entitled it, Where Are Your Profits Hiding? You know, profitability has been very difficult uh, this year due to the pandemic uh, for many, many businesses. There are some that have seen increases in their profit, uh, and there have been some that have seen increases in revenue, and seeing reduction in expenses. Uh, that's always true, though. Some businesses just do better than others. But I think every business could benefit from taking several steps if you haven't already done it. And the first is, make sure you know what your profit margin is. What profit margin can you uh, depend on? In other words, you build this business and you say, well, I'm going to make a 20% profit or a 10% profit, or I've seen 30% plus year in and year out in service businesses. I mean, what is your expectation based on your personal need, your personal desire, 
based on what the industry typically delivers. And, but make sure you understand what that margin is. What is your expectation? Dare say many of us run small businesses and we don't really know what our expectation is on the margin. And it's very important to establish that because the financial rewards really kind of flow from that. Uh, the second thing is that in that is, is you can reduce your cost once you know what the margin is. In other words, I want a 10%, 10 to 12% margin. And then I can back up through my cost, back up to where I price my products and see what it takes to get to that 10 to 12%. Maybe reasonable, may not be reasonable, but at least you go through the exercise yourself to verify that you're doing the things that are right to give you the kind of profit margin you're looking for. The second is, is to review. This should be taking place all the time. I've seen a lot of it during the pandemic. I get it. People are being squeezed. Revenue has dropped off. Some places 50, 75%. So it forces them into this review. But look at your suppliers. Look what you're paying for your raw materials. Okay, look what you're paying for labor and in what you're getting. Always do this. I think once a year minimum, there should be a quote unquote formal review, even if it's just yourself, where you sit down, close the door, so to speak, and take some time to look through your cost and possibly explore some alternatives. Check online pricing, look at other vendors, have some conversations, not just off the cuff or when you think about it, but look at what your cost and what you're getting for what you pay. Sometimes it's worth paying a little bit more, right? Better quality, better delivery, better relationship, so on and so forth. But the idea is that you look at the cost and I would dare say in the market, with this pandemic, a lot of people are selling things for a lot less or somewhat less than they did in the previous year. So it's time to reach out and connect with people that are looking for business. Do that. The goal is not only to lower your uh, cost, but to increase your margin, that profit margin. It's to help you get to that profit margin or maybe even be able to go from, say, the 10 to 12 percent to 12 to 14 percent or 15 percent because you went in and you reviewed what it was costing you to deliver your service or produce your products. It's a very, very good, almost, almost a required exercise to do right now for anyone who considers themselves a good business person. Also gives you the flexibility, if you so choose, to lower your price, okay? Some people panic and they just lower prices, but they don't really understand the impact. They don't know how low they can go. I mean, I grew up in a family business and we discounted coupons and various things, but we really never knew the financial impact of what that was going to have and that discount was going to have on our bottom line, not just for that month or quarter, but for the year. And I think that's a mistake. It's not hard to figure. Uh, sometimes you need to reach out and have someone to help you do that. A financial, an accounting person, CPA, help you develop a template, if you will. And that's what it becomes, a place where you can put numbers in at different times of the year, once a year, whatever, and then run them, sort of like an Excel spreadsheet as you change things. The third thing is look for new distribution channels. Look for a new kind of distributor. Look for supplier online. Many, many people, small businesses, taking their business online. Uh, as a result of the pandemic, they should have probably been there before. And I've read some great stories about businesses that went online 
And all of a sudden now they're doing more online than they ever did across the counter, so to speak. But there are other things besides online. There's other types of distribution. If you sell through distribution networks, other kinds of vendors that can carry your products, you need to open your mind and explore those. And last but not least, and something I've been directly or indirectly advocating throughout this uh, tip of the week is use the analytics. Analyze your numbers to determine what's working. If you go and reduce or raise a price of a product, let it go 30, 60, 90 days, whatever your product cycle is, and then test it and see if it's producing the profit margin. See what your costs are. See if you've been effective. It's kind of like running a promotional. How many units were sold? How much did you bring in? How much would you have brought in at full price? Did you bring in what you gave up in margin, at least that much more to cover some of your gross profit or your bottom line profit? It's important that you do these things if you're serious about building a better, stronger business. Because the idea, it's about spending your time and your money where it will give your business its highest and best return. Well, thank you again for joining us today. I hope you've enjoyed today's program. Hope you'll re-listen, uh, if you care to, to uh, the interview and the conversation with Mel Gross. I think it's a valuable one. And I invite you back next week. We've got a great program lined up, and I hope you'll take time to join us. Monday mornings live at 11 a.m. Uh, you can reach us. Uh, we're going to have a family business with us, Colin McKenzie of the McKenzie Barbecue Family, located right here in Conroe, Texas, the county seat of Montgomery County. We'll be talking about a generational family business, how, when, and where. And I think it'll be a great exercise and opportunity to learn how you can succeed with family. So look for the podcast of today's program, the video cast on the weekly hour, business hour page on IRLoneStar.com, the radio station we're broadcasting from, or Facebook or YouTube and many other social media. And again, until next week, stay engaged and keep your focus on what counts in your business. Thanks. Today's show was recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and all rights and ownership are reserved to Lone Star Community Radio. For more information regarding this program and Lone Star Community Radio, visit us online at IRLoneStar.com. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's community radio station, serving the community with local programming on TV, radio, and online. If you enjoyed today's program, please support us by sponsorship or starting your own show. Contact us today by phone or text at 936-666-1084 or email the station at lscrstudios at gmail.com.